Welcome to Streaming Thoughts, where we stream our thoughts on movies, TV, and all things nerdy. I am Daniel. And I am Nathan. And welcome to our podcast. So, Nathan, what is on the docket today? All right. Well, you're going to be bleeping me again today. Fuck cancer. Our recent loss of Chadwick Boseman to cancer, of all things, is just a hard thing. It hits me very personally because I recently lost a dear friend to cancer. I also lost, you know, grandparents to cancer. And it's just, it's the one thing that just drains me so much anytime I hear of somebody losing their battle. Yeah. This one also, for me, hits home. My dad is a colon cancer survivor. I think he was diagnosed when he was 32 or 33. I'm 32 now. So, you know, my dad had colon cancer when he was basically close to my age. So for me, every time I see someone lose their battle to colon cancer, it's, it's, uh, it's just tough. And not to mention the fact that this is... Chadwick Boseman. Great actor. Always great performances. I mean, we recently reviewed his work in The Five Bloods. Yeah. That movie would not have been so powerful without his performance in it. Absolutely. This episode is going to be about Chadwick Boseman. We originally had plans to discuss or talk about Lucifer since the new season of Lucifer is out on Netflix now. And so we wanted to talk about that one. But And it's really bad because last week you said I was being a little bit of a downer and I really really want to try and come back with you with some positive current event news but yeah i know this is terrible i mean i haven't really been as impacted by the death of a celebrity as this one has to be honest with you i know that we've lost a lot of really amazing people in the past i mean we've done it in the past where we've donated for every listen we get in the first week to a charity and i'm going to do that again at the moment i've been watching if his family has a particular charity that they are promoting i will donate to that or if nothing else I'm going to donate to uh, Ryan Reynolds Cancer Society. But one way or the other, I'm going to be donating for every listen we get this. Because, again, in honor of all cancer survivors, all cancer people who lose their battle to cancer, it's an important thing. Yeah. Early detection is very important. Absolutely. And continually supporting research to find better treatments, better cures. Absolutely. On the topic of early prevention, for men out there who are listening to our podcast, seriously, go get checked out anything wrong you always want to be on the safe side of things i mean because of my history uh, when i went to the doctor um the doctor told me when i had my first colonoscopy doctor told me you should have had a colonoscopy when you were 26 because of your family history if you have a history of colon cancer in your family don't don't put put it it off. off go and get that procedure done it's not that bad in fact you don't feel anything you just get put under and then you wake up and you're all high good to go (laughs) you're all real high that's really it and so don't worry about it i mean the procedure itself is not bad having gone through that procedure and so again i'm a big advocate for that don't put it off especially if you have a history in your family before we get into our topic of the day we did have a surprising turn do you know olivia wilde oh yeah of course she has been hired on to direct a marvel movie Ooh, which one a sony Marvel movie, so that narrows down our list of potential okay. stars and superheroes. All that we have is it is going to be a female-led Sony Marvel movie. So we know something in the Spider-Verse. Yep. It's probably not Madam Web because they're already in development on that. So who do you think Olivia Wilde is going to have for a 
female-led Spider-Man movie. You mean as the protagonist? Yeah. I'm going to go with Gwen. I'm going to go with Silk, actually. Ooh, that would be interesting. The reason I'm thinking Silk is because they've been trying to get a little bit more of a crossover with Tom Holland, and they didn't really go into too much detail with Tom Holland getting bitten. But we know that Silk got bitten by the same spider in the same spider in the same class trip as Peter Parker. Just her powers took a little bit longer to develop, and she went into some evil organization, Mm -hmm. took her under to try and use their powers for their own benefit before Spider-Man ultimately saved Mm -hmm. her. So I'm thinking that's like the great crossover tie-in for Tom Holland and the Sony Spider-Verse. When you mention Silk, interesting point on that, the actor or the character of Silk was actually in Spider-Man Homecoming. It was not a prevalent character. It was was kind of a a background character. I miss that. If they go with that same actor or if they go with the same... Character? Yeah then that would make it great. And I think even if it's not connected to the MCU, if it's a completely standalone film, after Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Sony's been doing good. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think Olivia Wilde will be able to do a great job directing a superhero movie and expand the Spider-Verse, man. Yeah. As you said, Into the Spider-Verse was so much fun. Expand that into live action. Really just, just take your time with it. Yes. Go slow. Don't rush anything. Absolutely. And I think they're going to do great. They have a lot of material to work with. And you know, one of the things that they should do is they should take a page from Into the Spider-Verse. Don't try to build this epic, massive, crazy world, right? Into the Spider-Verse is a standalone film. Any sequels are going to be still kind of set within the Spider-Verse. But at the same time, I guess the Spider-Verse is also limitless. They could pull a spider from any universe, including the MCU at this point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could have a crossover with Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, and Toby <laughs> It's like it would be great. That would be great if they get to do that in the in a live action. That'd be awesome. oh, I would pay all the money for that. <laughs> Just be sure to bring Nicolas Cage back as Spider-Man oh, Noir. Yes. That would be perfect. And on our original topic, we were going to do Lucifer today. Did you get through everything on Netflix? I unfortunately didn't get through it. Well, Lucifer was picked up, be finished off by Netflix as a Netflix original with season five scheduled to be his final season. Yep. Ten episodes. But they had to shut down filming and production halfway through filming the finale for season five at episode 10. So they currently only release eight episodes, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, in the hiatus between finish up the post-production stuff for one through eight so they could release it on Netflix, Netflix changed their mind. There's only supposed to be 10 episodes in season five. They've ordered six more. Whoa. So there's another eight episodes coming for season five and season six has also been greenlit. What? Apparently, them putting it on hiatus and saying, okay, we have these eight episodes ready to go through post-production and can be released. Some Netflix executive was looking at them being like, actually, this is pretty good. Let's get more of this. And extended it longer than what they were originally talking about doing. Wow. That very rarely happens, by the way. It's very rare to see a show continue after it's already made an announcement that hey, this is the final season. Yeah. So again, I was really wanting to bring good news today, and that was one of the good news pieces that I had lined up in my canon to surprise you with because (laughs) I was pretty sure you hadn't heard that yet. For once, something good seems to have come out of production being shut down because of COVID. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? If they were completely done filming and going through all the post-production, they would have been striking their sets. They would have been taking everything else down. We wouldn't even have this opportunity for them to go, well, we still have everything and this is pretty good. Yeah. Let's keep going with it. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to see that. I mean, I'm excited for it. And I became very excited when Lucifer left Fox and was picked up by Netflix. I think Netflix really did turn the show around into a new direction that I was very excited about. I'm glad that it's continuing because this trajectory is great. We'll be covering Lucifer in more detail at some point. Yeah. That's just clear. Absolutely. But we did want to dedicate this to Chadwick Boseman and cancer survivors, family members who are surviving those who lost their battles to cancer. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of fitting to go not to his first film that he ever did, but the first film that everyone knew him from, I think. Yeah, I think the film that really put him out in the spotlight. Yeah, this was the film that I felt put him out as a household name, as they say. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, his roles prior to Black Panther were very interesting, actually. Some really interesting movies that he's been involved in. But, you know, Black Panther really did put him in that place of, like you said, Nathan, just a household name. Chadwick Boseman now was in the in everyone's uh, in everyone's mouths, in everyone's minds, in everyone's screens. As an actor, I mean, he is incredibly talented. One of the things that I always find where he really has a lot of strength in are his expressions in his eyes. He does really do a great job conveying a lot of emotion and a lot of the character through the eyes. And in Black Panther in particular, the way he looks at people and that gaze that he has is such a commanding gaze that it really makes you believe that this guy is king of Wakanda. And not only that, it's like he has this empathy he carries out and a number of times over the course of black panther this empathy he portrays and carries so well is some of the driving points of what causes problems yes for example jump right into it when killmonger shows up to try to claim his right of challenge for the throne Mm -hmm. that moment anyone else who was thoroughly grounded emotionally and mentally in their role as king, they would have shut that down. He would have been like, no, because even though you have a war dog tattoo, Mm -hmm. you're still a stranger to our country. You don't know our ways. You may have brought Claw in when I failed, but that was only because I had him in custody and was working to bring him back alive when you busted in and killed him. Right preventing a proper method of bringing him to justice. Right. That is, that's not a mark of a king. I'm not accepting your challenge. But in that moment, that's not where T'Challa's mind was. He had learned his father killed his uncle. He learned that his cousin was abandoned in America Mm -hmm. with nothing, no one to take care of him, no one to help him. It was a complete mess and nightmare for him. And that's where one of the strengths of Chadwick Boseman's performance came from, is everyone else was trying to advise him to do just that. Mm -hmm. Turn him away, shut it down, this is completely ridiculous. Chadwick Boseman's performance carried that conflict, carried that inner turmoil, as you said, mostly through his eyes. Yeah. That it wasn't arrogance, it wasn't a sense of duty to old traditions. It was just his own conflict 
over this revelation uh, that his father was not the perfect king mm-hmm. he always believed he was mm-hmm. that he felt he had to in order to justify his own existence as king the other layer to that is from a particular line in the movie when T'Challa visits T'Chaka his father in the uh, god what is it called again the ancestral, the ancestral plane. plane yeah there's a line that T'Chaka says to T'Challa and that is you're a good man and it is hard for good men to be king that adds that layer to it right because t'challa is a good man and he wants to be just he wants to be fair he wants to be truthful you definitely see that side of him all of those in that performance in that scene you know when killmonger challenges t'challa for the throne right it was a mess yeah after he becomes the king and gets the Black Panther and he tells him to burn all the heart-shaped herbs. I really wish someone would have just been like, um, you're a king, not a dictator. That's not how this works. Yeah, but isn't that kind of what a king is? <laughs> well, not necessarily. I mean, the king of Wakanda still has the council of elders from all the tribes that he has to answer mm-hmm. to. Even the Gorilla Mountain tribe, who never came down from their mountains except on the rare occasion, mm-hmm. they still had a seated that council technically yeah if they weren't using it so he's not a dictator he's a king but he still has people he needs to answer to right and that was one part i felt was a little bit broken in the representation of the wakanda culture Mm -hmm. i think it could have been a little bit strengthened that way but overall i did appreciate the fact that it this was used in a way to further drive the conflict shuri knew she had to get that heart-shaped herb and save at least one of them if they were to have any chance of standing up against him as he was trying to take the kingship into a dictatorship yeah absolutely and what also what made this movie in particular uh, such a great superhero movie is that T'Challa represents a lot of different aspects of what a superhero should represent right Mm -hmm. Killmonger represents those same ideals but in a completely different way that's what made Killmonger such a perfect villain to me Killmonger was a mirror looking back at T'Challa. Yes. A lot of Marvel movies have this flaw where it's two superpowered people with the same power fighting each other, mm-hmm. which ultimately that was because they both had the Black Panther powers yeah. from the herb. But the motivations were pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Killmonger grew up in America seeing the problems of the African community. He believed that they were being abandoned by Wakanda and Wakanda had authority to give them more power so they could overthrow what he viewed as white oppression. Right, absolutely. And T'Challa saw the conflict in the world, and he knew that something needed to be done, but didn't have the path. He didn't have any idea as to how to go about bringing change. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the reason why he was so confused and why he was so conflicted about that is because as a king, he felt like he also, like his first priority was always going to be Wakanda. Yes. Protecting Wakanda against any kind of enemies is his responsibility. And so for him being able to open, you know, the doors of Wakanda. The borders. And the borders, right? Exactly. Open the borders of Wakanda and for Wakanda to share what they have with the rest of the world, that basically 
introduces that possibility of Wakanda being attacked and or being, you know, exposed to other dangers. I think that's why he had so much conflict about that because he knew there could be a way, but he didn't know what that way would look like, you know, without any risk. Yeah, and Killmonger didn't have that same conflict because in Killmonger's view, he didn't have that care about protecting Wakanda. No. He just saw Wakanda as a tool to accomplish what he wanted in the rest of the world. Right. So he had no conflict of that T'Challa was going no, through. No, because he viewed Wakanda as a means to an end, right? In Killmonger's eye, if Wakanda fell while he was trying to overthrow the world and reset the bounces that he thought needed to be reset, he wouldn't have cared. He still would have thought it would be a job well done as long as the other countries and other governments of the world toppled, even if Wakanda ultimately suffered, he would have thought he did the right thing. He did the good thing. Oh, absolutely. Although I think that in his mind, he didn't really believe that Wakanda was going to fall. No, he, he didn't. He believed that Wakanda was obviously... Impervious. Right, exactly. He believed Wakanda was so far ahead of the rest of the world, there was no danger at all to Wakanda. Right. Not only that one country could change the world. Right. And I think that's why Killmonger is one of the best Marvel villains because he was that mirror to the Black Panther. And throughout the course of Black Panther dealing with him and the way that Chadwick Boseman brought forth this emotional journey, Mm -hmm. he grew. And ultimately, in the end, Chadwick Boseman, as the Black Panther, took us on a journey that we believed he actually came to Killmonger's point of view. Right. Methodology, they were in conflict with. Right. But what needed to be done, in the end, he was 100% in agreement. Mm -hmm. We need to go out. We need to bring education to the rest of the world. We need to elevate everyone Mm -hmm. in order to end the problems throughout the world. Absolutely. And in that sense... Killmonger was successful. Killmonger wins, right? Because this is what he wanted. He wanted Wakanda to do something about the problems that people were facing around the world. And that was actually the reason I think it bothered me so much that Killmonger seemingly dies at the end. Because I would have loved to have seen them come to agreement on what needs to be done. Chad Bozeman bringing Michael Jordan over to his side of thinking that this is where we need to be. This is how we need to do it. And seeing them work together for this common goal. Mm-hmm. That would have been the best supervillain defeat where the supervillain brings you to his side of view of what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And you bring them to your point of view of how it needs to be done. That would have been a ending unlike any other comic book villain ever done on screen or mm-hmm. even in the comics i think there's one movie that kind of a marvel movie that in a way did that and that was ant-man and the wasp ant-man and the wasp did that with the character of ghost i mean ghost wasn't killed or destroyed or anything because all ghost wanted was to just survive. survive and stay alive and so you couldn't fault the villain for that and at the end of that movie spoiler alert <laughs> You know, Ghost and that professor who's, who, I can't remember the name of it, but is played by Lawrence Fishburne, run away. They're essentially 
kind of have their own happy ending. And the final scene where Ant-Man gets stuck in the quantum realm, his whole purpose there was to try and collect enough quantum energy to permanently stabilize Ghost. Exactly. You know, again, that was kind of a, a very happy ending. And I agree. I think it would have been amazing to have that kind of ending for this movie. But I think that also what Killmonger represented, I think also had to die in film because his ways were just not sustainable in any way. No, I mean, all out war against the world really isn't going to fix things. I like Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther's, T'Challa's final solution of going back to where it all started and building a school. Right. No, uh, they were going to build like all these different Wakanda outreach programs. Yeah, they're going to build a, a Wakanda outreach embassy and school to start teaching the local community, raise them up, elevate them above yeah. and beyond where they're currently at. That would be a great solution. You rise everybody up. Yeah. Things just start getting better. Absolutely. You abandon people and things get worse. Right. That was the lesson I think that the entire movie was trying to tell very clearly illustrated that the speech that T'Challa gave to the United Nations, you know, which is so passionate, so well delivered by Chadwick also. I mean, it was perfect. I definitely got all teary when I first watched that in theaters. It was just an incredible speech (laughs) about how everyone is just better off if we're united, if we work together. And the delivery of that final joke of what can Wakanda give the rest of the world? (laughs) And Chadwick Boseman is just, the way he just smiles at that question, I just, every time I love watching that scene. Now, jumping off the messages of the Black Panther movie, you kind of brought up earlier, when you're talking about the ancestral plane, Mm -hmm. I actually thought that was a rather interesting bit or rather interesting way of demonstrating some of the comic lore without needing to use exposition to explain it. So Chadwick Boseman, when he went to the ancestral plane, T'Challa, he saw the tree in the savannah with all the Black Panthers that came before him Mm -hmm. and his father came down and transformed back into his father's form in order to talk to him. Mm -hmm. What did Killmonger see? He saw the apartment where he grew up. Just the apartment where he grew up. Just his dad. Yeah, and his dad. He didn't have the rest of the ancestral Black Panthers there. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't. And the reason I find this interesting is beyond just the strength, the speed, the agility of the Black Panther. One of the other powers of the Black Panther is they have all the knowledge and fighting skill of every Black Panther that came before them. Right. So when Chala goes to the Ancestral Plane as the rightful heir to the Black Panther mantle, he had all those other Black Panthers there Mm -hmm. to impart their wisdom and strength to him. Killmonger did not. Right. And that's ultimately why T'Challa had the advantage in that final fight. Yeah, absolutely. Subtle way of giving out that kind of unique power of the Black Panther. Nowhere in there are they spelling it out, explaining this is where the differences lie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, the ancestral plane... As you mentioned, it's, it's something that was extremely believable. And that just speaks to the director of Black Panther. It's talked about many times about how he wanted to make sure that everything within the film was believable. Within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I mean, it's great that we were introduced to Doctor Strange, right, to kind of set the stage that, yes, there's magic and there's this other aspects of the universe that are now more fantastical. So I think that 
definitely the ancestral plane did a phenomenal job at showing that, portraying it in such a realistic way also that you could really believe that there is an ancestral plane. They didn't really go with the imagery of that place. They didn't go really crazy over the top, you know, fantastical with it. They kept it grounded. And I think that's why it works so well in film is because of, the, of how what grounded that whole scene was with the background, with the setting and everything. I mean, I was expecting something like Asgard, you know, fantastical and very magical or something like that. I'm glad that I wasn't that. They kind of have this visual appeal of, to me at least, the Garden of Eden. It was like the tree of life or the tree of knowledge. All of the Black Panthers were there waiting to impart this mystical knowledge and this mystical energy onto him yeah. to make sure that he had the tools he needed to be the best leader that he could be. Right. And the etherealness of it, I think that also helped. I mean, it was very cool. It was a very cool place. I was very impressed the first time I saw that scene with how they portray the ancestral plane. The other aspect of this film that really worked well for me is how much they show that as a leader, as a king of a nation, he is not standing alone. No. He's not the lone dark knight in Gotham. He's not Superman flying around the world saving the day all by himself. He has support and he relies on that support. And it's also very important to point out that the people that he surrounds himself with, the people he takes advice from, the people he relies on are women. That was so incredibly well portrayed and I very much appreciated seeing very strong very powerful women. The fact that the character of T'Challa wanted these people as part of his circle, people he trusted. The first person he turned to, looking for advice that really started him to question the isolation policies of Wakanda, was Nakia, mm -hmm. his ex-girlfriend. She was the one who first put in his head of, even after the ceremony for you to become king is over, I'm not going to stick around because there's too much going on. I can do so much more for the world by being out there and helping the people who are being subjugated by the drug cartels and the warlords of Africa than being here sitting in an ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And deny Gurira as Okoye another side to that same coin, right? Of someone who is a traditionalist, right? Loyalty to the throne more than loyalty to the person. Right, exactly but also provides this other very important perspective to the king to consider all the threats that could be brought to Wakanda. And you can definitely see a lot of that strength and how much T'Challa also relies on the counsel of both his women so he can have as many perspectives as he can. Actually, now that you mention it, Okoye and Nakia are really kind of the opposite sides of the coin, the mirror yeah. that Killmonger was to T'Challa, mm -hmm. where you have Nakia who wants to go out and help the world, and Okoye that says, but how are we going to defend Wakanda? Right. And he's listening to both sides of those arguments all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's what gave these two characters so much dimension too, right? I mean, it's the fact that they had their own ideologies and they were very committed to their ideologies and very grounded in them. That's what drove them to pursue the paths that they were taking. You know, Nakia going out in the world trying to help as many people as she can with whatever knowledge she was able to get from Wakanda and Okoye trying to do whatever she can to protect Wakanda from 
any and all threats and just kind of continuing that path of isolation from the rest of the world. Now, neither of those two women were my favorite women in the movie, though. <laughs> I'm going to take a guess that it's Shuri. It's absolutely Shuri. From the moment we first meet her and she is being a goofy little sister to T'Challa. It's just absolutely lovable. Yes. Followed by her work in the lab and being both serious and a little bit of a goof at the same time. There's nothing about her that I don't like. <laughs> she is great. What she brought to the movie was this mentality, right, of the future, right? That's where she was constantly Just thinking. Just because at. it's not broken doesn't mean it can't be it can't improved. Be exactly. Yeah. And so she really does challenge that status quo, which is why I really like the character. One of the other things that I liked about her interaction was Marvel loves to pull out pop culture references all the time. Yeah. The first time I watched this film, I felt that they were very minimalistic in this and it wasn't that they were minimal they were up front but not beat you over the head we're making a pop culture reference mm -hmm. so in what i often refer to as her q scene yeah <laughs> where she's q she's taking james bond through the lab to show the gear he has for his mission yeah. she gives him the sneakers yeah <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick it up until this most recent viewing, and I'm sure there's other people that are going to be like, how would you not notice that before? When she gives it to him, she makes a comment of, they're fully automatic, just like that old American movie Dad made us watch. <laughs> oh, you put it together what now. What fully automatic sneakers <laughs> do you think she's referring to from an old American movie? From Back to the Future. Yeah, the Michael J. Fox sneakers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is such a cool thing. And again, this is why she's an innovator, right? She looks at something from a movie and she's like, hey, this is an American movie. I can do that. <laughs> and again even though she's being all serious showing off the stuff in her lab i mean obviously you have that it's a meme now with her yells you know, screaming what are those at yeah. his sandals <laughs> there's also the oh yeah just go ahead and hit the suit in the same spot why are you recording this yeah. <laughs> for research <laughs> That was really great. And that's another thing. There was no other character in this movie that can make fun of or embarrass T'Challa. Right. She has a command that can only come from the little sister yeah. picking on the big brother. <laughs> the relationship was just so believable. It really felt like they were family. It really did. I love the chemistry she brought opposite of Chadwick Boseman. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Those two had amazing chemistry. I mean, look, everybody in this movie had amazing chemistry. Winston Duke as Umbaku was another character that had just a really <laughs> great chemistry with, you know, the whole cast, too. I mean, I'm kidding. We're vegetarian. He <laughs> <laughs> had Everett hook, line, seeker on that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just made myself sad thinking of the fact that we're not going to see Shadow Boseman return know. to this. Look, during this entire movie, rewatching it again, probably before the eighth or ninth time i don't know how many times i've seen black panther by now but that feeling definitely set in at the end of just knowing that we're not going to see chadwick boseman portray this incredible character and seeing this story of this character through the performance of chadwick boseman 
what I'm mourning, and I think what everyone else is mourning, especially you know Marvel fans, is the fact that we don't get to see Chadwick Boseman bring his own life, his own breath of life into this character. I will definitely miss it. Yeah, he's going to be a hard talent to replace. You know, one of the roles that I am also deeply saddened that I'm not going to get to see Chadwick Boseman in is an upcoming movie, true story, by the way, of an African man who was captured, escaped bondage, escaped during transit, was adrift, I don't know how long, ended up in Japan, became a samurai. Yeah, unfortunately, it was only ever in pre-production. They doubt they even got any filming in, or it's not like they can do a Star Wars Episode Nine yeah. where finish off with Carrie Fisher's role with old footage that they didn't use from previous movies. I was so excited for that movie because I was so excited to see Chadwick's performance. And for anyone who didn't hear about this, it's Yasuke is the movie. It's currently in pre-production. It was about the true story of a 16th century warrior Yasuke in a quest for redemption and honor. The only known samurai of African origin becomes entrenched in a struggle for control of feudal Japan. That sounds amazing. Chadwick Boseman would have been amazing in that role. It was perfect for him. It was absolutely perfect for him. And we won't get to see it through his performance. And that's really sad. And not only that, but I think, you know, from everything I read about Chadwick, you know, he just seemed like a genuine, amazing, incredible person. I mean, let's take a moment to really examine that. I mean, he was diagnosed in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Four years ago. So let's think about that for a moment. He was acting, going to hospitals to visit kids and make their day. He was doing a lot of charity work. He was doing all of this stuff while he was battling cancer. He brought us so many amazing performances, not only in the Marvel Universe, but in other films too, that are just incredibly memorable and incredibly amazing. All of that he was doing while he was fighting this incredible battle. And quietly, like no one really knew about this. He kept it very close, very personal, didn't use it as any kind of publicity or anything else. He was, it was his journey and he made it with himself and his family and continued to put himself out there for other people. I mean, that's, yeah, that takes a lot of dedication. I mean, 2016 was Civil War, his first appearance as T'Challa. And then 2018 is Black Panther. So, I mean, two years into this battle, he was still going strong, making sure he was giving the best performance. And as he said, visiting sick kids to give them hope. Yeah. And that just says so much about the type of person that Chadwick Boseman was. And I think he left a legacy behind that people will go back. And not just Black Panther, but also, as we said, his portrayal in The Five Bloods was really powerful. I mean, that's a legacy that whilst he was fighting a battle that he had to know where it was leading him. Anytime someone's battling cancer, they always express to those closest to them how they really know which way that battle is going. During that battle, he chose to continue to create this legacy. This was one of them. The Five Bloods was another one. He knew what he was doing and he continued to give it his all. For that, we respect and honor him. Absolutely. Yeah, so with that, should we jump in on to our TLDL? Too long, didn't listen. Yeah, sort of a somber TLDL this time around. So this is our first time going back to a previous Marvel film, which really is 
kind of a lot of the background for why we started up into wanting to do these podcasts is because we always had these great discussions around Marvel and about what Marvel could be and what Marvel is and maybe mm-hmm. will be. And so it's kind of a little bit somber, as you said, that this is why we're going back to our roots, as it were. Black Panther, there's a reason it's considered one of the best MCU movies so far to date. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman's performance in this is a big part of it. He carries it so well. He continues to carry it throughout his other roles. This might be a good movie to use as an introduction to him. But by all means, go back and check out his other works. Absolutely. Chadwick Boseman, as we've said so many times in his podcast, is an incredibly talented actor. There's so much more to him than what he has done in Black Panther, which is, again, as we talked about, monumental and important in so many different ways. But his performance in The Five Bloods was just amazing. And there's so much more other stuff like Marshall, for example, where he plays Thurgood Marshall. Definitely go check out his other stuff. He's a phenomenal actor and he will be missed definitely missed and then for a not so much a final question but a final thought that we can depart with we are not yet quite done with Chadwick Boseman's performances we will be getting one more movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom it's already in post-production mm-hmm. he's one of the leads in that are you looking forward to it as much as I am absolutely I always love any movie that Chadwick Boseman is in, and so I am definitely looking into this one. And the cast looks to be really, really good, too. Definitely excited for it. And we'll be sure to cover that when it comes out. So be sure to follow us on Twitter. At Streaming Geek and on Facebook at... Streaming Thoughts Podcast to see when that episode comes out, because we will be looking for more Chadwick Boseman and anything we can get. Absolutely. All right, so with that, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Appreciate everybody. This has been Daniel. And this has been Nathan. Thank Thank you you for for listening. listening.